like to interact with you. So, I love what Cameron, how Cameron opened us up today because he made us interact. So, I know my mom's gonna be over there interacting quite a bit. <laughs> She's gonna be giving her amen for us all to hear. So, I dare someone in the room to out amen my mother today. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> um, well, I also, before I jump in, um, was it Carol Ann? Where are you? You gave that. Oh, man, girl, stand up. What you did when you got up here, that was awesome. It was just the very word of God. And I just want to just... I just want to bless you and thank you for using your gift to exalt Jesus and for people to see him and to hear his voice setting them free. And there, and it was funny, Pastor Steve got up and said, there's authority in those words. And I had the same thought, wow, there's authority. It was the very word of God in this poetic form, just like David in the Psalms. And I just am so grateful, and I wanted to acknowledge that, that gift that you used tonight. Um, one, of the, one of the really fun things that I get to see happen in our community is see people uh, with all sorts of creative gifts and talents expressing them unto the Lord. And there's so much, you know, creativity was sort of stolen from the church. All, all, all art was birthed in this place where it magnified our King Jesus. And slowly the world has stolen art from us. And now you see things on the side of buildings or you go to an art exhibit and it feels dark. It feels like death. But we were men, I know there's many in our midst who are artists. You may be a dancer, you may be a painter, you may be a poet, you may be a songwriter, you may be a musician, you may be something, a sculptor. I don't know what, what you could be a rapper, I don't know what you are, but I want to, you to know that your gift is made for the glory of God. And you can glorify him in your creative gift, even if it's not overtly, you know, has a, not every painting you have to do has to have a cross on it. Are you with me? Like, we can see beauty. When I go to the ocean, I see God. Anybody else? When I see the mountains, I see God. And there's no, there's not, there's not a name written on it, but something in me is testifying to the beauty and the creativity and the majesty of the maker when I'm in those places. Are you with me? So if you are an artist or a creative, I just want to encourage you just to begin to let the glory of God stir in you to express your gift unto him. Amen? Uh, <laughs> Um, yes. The last thing I want to do before I jump in, and I've said this now five times, I'm sure, but, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know who it was that came over to the cross tonight, 
but uh, I was reminded of when Jesus said it's right before he, he tells the parable of the prodigal. He says, I tell you, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner repenting than 99 just persons coming who have no need. And uh, I just, I, can we do another weird thing together? I want you to just imagine for a minute what it might be like for there to be joy in heaven. Can you picture it? Can you picture the throne? You've got the four living creatures with the eyes all around, spinning around, and you've got these 24 elders casting their crowns, and you've got the golden bowls, and you've got harps, and then you've got multitudes of angels. And imagine tonight when this precious lady walked over here, what heaven was doing. Can you imagine? I, I'm just going to ask us right now if we could just do our part to celebrate that like heaven would. Could you get a little weird with me? All right. All right. On the count of three, I'm just pulling a Cameron. Where are you, Cameron? I'm just pulling a Cameron. On the count of three, I want us to just yell and clap and holler and whoop over one person coming to the cross tonight. I don't know how many there were. I saw one. I'm always way over here. So can we do that? Okay, come on. All right. One, two, three. All right, next time I'm going to make you stand up and spin around and jump. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I loved the topic that, uh, that, that the, the theme of chasing God. And I remember when I came a couple of years ago, I just loved the, the play on words because we're chasing God, but in reality, he's been chasing us, Right. And, and, and the Christian life is really always coming back to the reality that he has chased me down, right? And it's always coming back to his zeal for us that causes love and passion and zeal to be birthed inside of us toward him and toward the lost. Yes? All right. So I want to talk to you tonight about this word in the Greek. It's called protos. Can you say protos? Protos, here's what it means. I'm going to read you the definition. <clears throat> All right. Protos is foremost in time, place, order, or importance. It's before, beginning, best, chief, first. You get the picture? Protos means number one in every way. First in time, first in importance, first place. You get the picture? Nod. Remember? Come on, mom. She, yeah. I need, I need someone to outdo her over here, okay? Yeah, okay. Protos, first. 
here's what has changed my life, is the reality that I didn't love God, but that he loved me first. 1 John 4.19 says, <laughs> we love him because he loved us first. The word first is that word protos, all right? He loved, he put you first. He put you over his own will, over his own desires, over his own glory, over his own majesty. You see, Jesus left a place that he didn't have to leave because he was in obedience to the Father. The Father so what? The world. He so loved the world. You see, God chased you. God chased me. He loved me first. And that, that, that revelation did not just hit my heart the day that I ran to a cross. That reality comes crashing into my life many times a day. Wow. Protos, you loved me first. The creator of heaven and earth, the ancient of days, the holy one, the only one worthy, loved me first. First John 4, 9 says that, and this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Do you have your Bibles? Open up to First John. I'm reading out of the New King James, but whatever works for you is great. First John, it's toward the end. It's right before Revelation. They're tiny books, first, second, and third John. Sometimes they're hard to find. Okay. First John 4, verse 9. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Come on. Son, into the world that we might live through him. Here's the kicker. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What we tend to do is we take this and we move on too fast. Yeah, 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 God loves me. No, 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 no. God loves you, and his desire is for that reality to be made manifest in your heart and mind and outwork itself into your life. 
And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us. This is your starting point. From the day that you came to the cross and you realized, according to the Bible, it says that while we were his enemies, did you know that you were God's enemy? He died for us. You see, until you, until you come to the reality that you would have been there yelling, crucify him, and you would have been there when he looked out and said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Oh, when you, that you were at the table when he dipped the bread in and he fed Judas, that he was feeding you, You see, that kind of love, it's not just here. It sinks in here and it ruins you in the best way. This cross is a proposal. My friend Peter Lewis says that. I think, he, I think he's been here, yes. This cross is a proposal. This is God. Almighty, down on one knee, be mine. While we were running the other direction, saying no thank you. You see, the reality of that is not just for the moment that you got saved. This is the life that you live in God. Protos, say protos. He put you first when you could care less. When you didn't know any better and you weren't paying attention. He got down on one knee. And then, this is the invitation that he makes to us. Do you remember when the lawyer came to him and he said, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is the greatest commandment? Do you know the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, this, this is, these are the words of Jesus. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment. There's our word again, protos. This is the first and greatest commandment. To do what he did. To love him with everything. To love him with everything. This is the protos commandment. Before you do anything else, love him. Before you think about yourself, you love him. With everything that you are and have. All your emotions, all your thoughts, all your relationship, all your time, all your money, all your resources. You see, this was everything and in return, he comes to us and says, 
I'm looking for the same from you. I'm looking for the same from you. He says, whoever seeks to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses it for my sake will find it. This was God proposing and saying, I want a bride. I want you. I'm giving you all of me. I'm asking for all of you. I'm asking you to lose your life for my sake. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And here's the thing that I found, church. I found this is the place of true life. Did you know another way of reading that verse where he says, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Another way of understanding that might be, whoever tries to hold on to their life is going to wreck it. <laughs> Those of us who came to the Lord later, we are aware that when I tried to manage my own life and keep my own life, I wrecked it. It's not... It means your life left in your hands, you will destroy. And some of us experience that. Some of us are watching loved ones do that. But your life left in my hands will save your life. And you will experience true life. So here's your marriage proposal. Here's your God down on one knee. Here's the thing. Did you know that you can sign a marriage certificate with someone? You can put on a white dress, and you can walk down an aisle, and you can say vows, and you can wear a ring, and you can be miserable. Did you know that you can do all of that and not have any intimacy in your marriage? Yes, you can. You can have all the externals. Hi, Beck. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know you were in here. Um, you can have all those externals and be missing all the sweetness of intimacy, connection, and relationship. And anyone who's been in a situation like that says, amen, that's terrible. It's miserable. And I think my, my, my hunch says that there's a lot of the church living like that. Like, um, well, I'm married to him. I'm a Christian. I have, like, my ticket to heaven. But I have no real life in me. I have no real passion. I have no real hunger. I have no real longing. And that was never his heart. It's not his heart today. 
you see, coming back to the place where you sit and you say, wow, you loved me first. You loved me first before the foundation of the world. You loved me first. Even then, I was on your mind. The perfect God. Looking at messy me with crazy, passionate love. If you are in a dry marriage with God, I have good news for you. When he, when he protosed you and me, when he said, I love you first, I love you first, he made a provision. He made a provision for you to live in the passion and the zeal of the love of God. And the provision has a name. It's his Holy Spirit. You see, we cannot do that first and greatest commandment in the flesh. My flesh is at war with God. But when he got up there, his flesh made a way for me to have the fullness of God inside of me, loving God back. One of my heroes in the faith, he says, it takes God to love God. It takes God to love God. You see, he put you first. He invited you. He proposed to you. You said yes, and he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know that you can't do this on your own. I know it's not in you. So I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send the helper. He's going to remind you of everything I say. He's going to reveal to you your inheritance that I purchased for you on the cross. He's going he's gonna to be your closest counselor. He's going to whisper to you. You see, the Holy Spirit is not just for gifts of healing, gifts of words of knowledge, or prophecies. It, it's first and foremost for the sweet counsel and friendship of God that makes you have a tender heart. This is really, really good news. If you're in a dry marriage, he's sending you his spirit. It takes God to love God. Why is this so important to me? <laughs> this is so important to me because I want you to experience the fullness of life in Christ. 
And there is, there, there, there's one way to experience that. And it's all in. Half in, with your will still at play, ain't gonna get you there. You will be double-minded, unstable, dry, and miserable. Trying to do in the flesh what can only be accomplished by the Spirit. And I believe that Jesus died. May the lamb receive the reward of his suffering. I believe that he died for a vibrant, free, passionate people who love him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, who lose their life, who don't count, who don't love their lives even unto death, who could say like Paul, I count it all rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ. How many of us want to be there, but we're like, I'm not there. And I've heard, I've heard, I've heard people say like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I want, I want Jesus to return, but I have things I, I wanted to do and experience first. And that's a normal response until you encounter his glory and his goodness and you know him intimately. And then whatever it was that you thought you needed to experience, you don't even think about anymore. It's just pale, 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 pale. If you'll hear it, what I'm telling you is that the one thing role that you have in this scenario where he paid for everything and he made a provision for you to love him with all that you are your one role is to surrender your will your one it's the it's the thing that he gave you that he won't take away he gave you your will it's your one, all you can do is say yes to him. It's all you have. You don't have anything in and of yourself to love him, to, to do the, to live the, the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle where we, where we love our enemies and we, we give all that we have and we, all those things that they sound so great where you don't ever lust, where all these things that are these standards for what it means to be a disciple of Jesus that you have no power to do. He had, you see, he had, had, had to die so that he could empower his church to live victorious. It was the only way. And I believe Jesus, you know, we know that we know that he we know that he was baptized and he came out of the water and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. The Father opened up heaven and said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We know he went into the wilderness. We know that he was tempted. We know that he was victorious over the devil. We know that he performed many signs and wonders. We know that then he went, he celebrated Passover. And then he walked out to the garden. And to me, this is the moment. This is the most precious moment to me. Because his, his decision wasn't made 
when he was before Pilate and they were beating him, he, he made his decision in that garden. He made his decision in that moment where he asked the disciples to pray so that they wouldn't fall into temptation. And he went over alone and he was so troubled that he sweat like drops of blood. And he said this phrase, he said, Father, not my will. He said, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Do you see that even Jesus, even perfect Lamb of God, Jesus, had a moment where he was like, I don't want to do this. I do not want to do what I know I'm about to do. Hey, Dad, is there a different way we could accomplish this? And then there was that moment that was like, can you feel how excruciating it was when he said, yet, not my will, but yours be done. And I really believe that this is the place, and he, 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 he's been a forerunner for us. He's gone there for us. I really believe this is the place where we have an invitation to surrender and submit our will. That God, my plans for my life, I let go. What you say goes. This is the, pl the place of surrendered, where he's Lord, where he's master, where whatever he says goes is the place where his Holy Spirit floods with power. It's that if he said, hey, daughter, forgive your enemies. It's when I surrender and I say, okay, but I feel like I have a right to withhold forgiveness. And I might in the natural. You may have a right, but the invitation is, would you surrender your rights? Because this is the only place. It's like all of a sudden, there's an open funnel for heaven to send the Holy Spirit. He said, I will ask the Father and he will send another. And he will be the one to empower when you say yes. Because see what happened to the Lord? He was in the garden and he surrendered his will to the Father. He made up his mind. I mean, maybe he, I don't know, but I see a moment of his flesh. I see him warring in that moment. And then he went to the cross. He gave up his spirit. He said, it is finished. And where did he go? He went down. He went down to the depths of hell. And do you know what raised him up? What came busting through the ground of his mortal body? It was the spirit of God. God sent his spirit and the Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of me. You see, the, 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 the submission of the will made room for the spirit of God to do something that the flesh could never do. It's a yes, not my will. It's the painful, not my will, but yours be done that made room for the Spirit of God to resurrect his mortal body. 
It's a giving up of control. It's a giving up of your rights. This is the invitation. That is where life abundant is. It's a picking up your cross daily and following him. That's where you find what he says. I came that they might have life and life abundant. That is not for someday by and by. It is for right now. But the accessing of the abundant life happens in the letting go and in the surrendering. And here's the thing, you guys. Control is an illusion anyways. If you think that you can manage the outcome, you're wrong. <laughs> we went to the state fair yesterday, woo, uh, with our four kids. And I really wanted to ride the Ferris wheel. I'd never ridden it. And man, that thing goes up so high. And we just had our daughters in the cart with us. My mom took the boys. And we were up so high. And a storm was blowing in. And so it got pretty windy. And my 10-year-old is kind of the, she's the typical, like, oldest, a little bit nervous one. And anyone? the nervous one <laughs> and and she was overcoming her fear I was so proud but the wind is blowing and we're up high and I'm looking at this ferris wheel I'm like this thing is rickety <laughs> you know what I mean it's like fairs are different uh quality rides in my opinion <laughs> um but we're up there so high, and I thought, we have no control. Like, there is nothing I could do to get out of that little cage, to stop the wind from blowing, to demand that the Ferris wheel stay planted where it is. And it was really freeing to let go. And so I want you to know tonight that if you're holding on to your rights or your plans or how you deemed it would go, it's an illusion anyways. It's a deception. You do not have control. But he's looking for the active release of your will to him, the surrender of your will to him. This is his proposal. And it's when you let go, and it's when you say yes to him making a fool of you. It's when you say yes to, God, you can have my reputation. You can have what those people think of me. You can have my emotions. You can have my relationships. It's in that letting go that makes room for him to show up. And you need to walk in the abundant life that the Good Shepherd purchased for you. And you to experience 
the greatest love affair of your life, the romance of your life, the freedom, the knowing in your deep, 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 how valued you are. But the enemy wants us to think that we're managing the Ferris wheel. Hmm. You're not. You're not the director of your own play. But he wants you to let go so that you can love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. When you were knitted together and formed in your mother's womb, that is what you were made for. Are you looking for your purpose in life? Your calling? That's it. That's it. That's it. You arrive when you realize this is why I'm made. I'm made to love you with all that I have and all that I am. This is why I'm alive. You're not alive to be a doctor or a teacher or a preacher or worship leader or mom or a dad. Those are all good works he's prepared for you. But you were knitted together and formed to know his love, receive his love, and love him back with all that you are. And then you may end up doing who knows, God knows what. Can you hear me, young people? I changed my major in college like a thousand times. I just wanted to know, like, there was this big push in my university. I remember it was for... What is your calling? And I was so tormented with like, well, what is it? I don't know. And then there was, there was, there was the girls who were like, I think I'm, I'm just, I just want to be a mom. She says, beautiful. Or I think I want, I'm a teacher. I think I'm a doctor. I think I'm a, but you know what? For all of eternity, I'm his daughter. He loves me and I love him. I'm his bride that he purchased. I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. And I might, who knows what I might do? I might, I might be a mom. I might be making chicken noodle soup. I might be preaching in front of you. I might be driving an Uber. I might be packing up fish in boxes. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know why I'm alive. And I could be wiping a three-year-old's butt. And I could be standing here living in the full love of God, offering him everything that I am. Amen. Okay, so here's what I want to do. Here's, here's, here's how I want us to respond. God's made up his mind about you. Did you know that? <laughs> He's made up his mind about you.
That's really good. But the Bible says that the flesh cannot please God. So if you've been trying, 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 and failing, 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 tired, 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 he wants to fill you again with his spirit. The mind, the Bible says, the mind controlled by his spirit is life and peace. And that the very same spirit that went into his body in the depths of hell and bursted the ground and raised a mortal man is going to fill you. Yes. Man, my mom is so quiet tonight. Am I, am I not doing good, mom? What's, what's, what? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yankees. <laughs> so, Steve, is this okay with you? I just wanted to have, if you're like, man, I'm, I've been, I want, I want to give him everything. I want to love him like he said. This is the first and greatest commandment, to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. Protos. What he has proposed, he's asking of us and empowering us by his spirit to do.